good to see so many of you here this morning. Lovely to see all of you. That is a very British phrase, I realize. Um, for those of you who do not know, I got to visit my parents quickly for this midweek, and it was really a great time. Um, for those of you who are newer to the Word of Grace, and if this is your first time here, my name is Judah. I'm one of the pastors here at uh, Word of Grace, and it's such a privilege to worship with all of you. Now, for the guys who call this place home, look around you. It's starting to get super tight in here, huh? So, with that said, okay, for those of you who call this church home, I would really, really appreciate it, especially if you are in that section up back there. Uh, if you do see someone walk in and you're used to sitting on the sides, scooch over, all right? What is it? And the little one said? There you go. Roll over. It's time for you to roll over because there are other people who might be looking for a seat. And if worship has already started, it's unlikely that they will disturb you to try and get in. Okay, so if we already get in and start practicing the good habit of making room for other people next to us, that will be really, really helpful. I would love a chair for your coat and your Bible, but it's not mandatory, right? So if we could try and put those under our chairs if we need to, or hang it up in the back if you have a coat, that would be great too. All right, that's just more like log logistics because I think we're starting to get to that point where we need to start thinking about those things, okay? Um, which is also why you see me up here, because this is a really good space for you guys to come and fill up, okay? If anyone's like, we're selling seats over here for zero dollars. Um, so we've been working through this, this series called Unseen Priorities for the past few weeks, and I really wanted to get to the heart of what God is doing in each of us it's not just a journey we're on, because sometimes you can be in journey mode and never have a goal. It's more like, you know, you just end up looking at your feet and you just keep moving. And your Christianity will end up becoming something like, I need to make it through the day. So for when you get to like hear the kind of news we heard this morning, where a brother has gone home to be with Jesus... It starts to give you a sense of understanding why this all matters. I know where I'm going. I know who I'm pursuing. So these are things, whether you're young or whether you're old, it's important that you know why you follow Jesus. Okay? I want you to know why you follow Jesus. It needs to be something that's clear in your heart so that no one else can shake you from it. Because the world will try all kinds of ways to shake you from the firm foundation that is Jesus. He gives us hope, right? That was the actions we did, right, in the song just now, for his power to pull us through. When we put our... Thank you. All right. When you trust in Jesus with your whole heart, it's not blind trust. 
Okay? And that's a phrase that's often used in places, but it is absolutely incorrect. It goes against everything God has designed you as a human being to be. Trust is something that is very clear, and it's something that requires my emotional attachment, but also my understanding of what I'm doing. Because otherwise, it's not called trust. It's called brainwashing, or it's called forcing, right? And God never forces us into things, and that's one of the things that I want to explain today. When God calls us to follow him, okay, so today's message is simply this, come, follow me. When Jesus talked to the disciples, he said, come, follow me. He led all of these people through life and what he had for them with this very simple statement, come, follow me. He did not say, I demand you follow me, or I'm, I'm going to make sure your life gets difficult if you don't. Those are some of the things we have inherited along the way as Christians, where we feel like if I don't do something that God likes, God's going to get, God's got, got it out for me. Okay? So some of us need to reshape how we have seen God calling us to follow him. It is not a demand from a master, but someone who calls us friends. And I will get into that. In Hebrews chapter 20, sorry, I'm losing. Okay, Matthew 22. That's okay. Matthew 22. Some Pharisees had gathered around Jesus and they asked him this. They said, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And he said to them, what is the greatest commandment? You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. So what is the greatest commandment? Kids, what is the greatest thing God has told us about? What is the greatest thing God wants us to do? Who's going to answer from Grace Kids? I need one Grace Kids volunteer. Yeah, go ahead. To love, love God with all your heart. Shania, want to finish the verse? Love God with all my heart. Can someone get the door? Thank you. Um, when we love God with all our heart, then guess what happens? Following someone is not because they made a rule. You know how sometimes when you're listening to your parents, right? Do you always want to listen to what your parents are saying? Okay, if you're a kid who always wants to listen to what your parents are saying, put your hand up. Mm, always? When they say go to bed and it's 8 o'clock? Mm, okay. So here's the other part of the question. Does your dad or your mom or your grandma or your grandpa or whoever is looking after you, do they love you? Yes? Okay. If they love you, what they are calling you to or what they are saying, hey, when I tell you to go to bed at 8 o'clock or when I tell you you cannot go to school without brushing your teeth, are they saying... I'm trying to make a rule that you hate just so that I can tell you I'm going to make your life difficult. 
Is that what they're trying to do? What are they trying to do? Go ahead. Somebody answered me over there. <laughs> that's true. Make sure that you don't get sent to the nurse for poor hygiene. That's, that's part of it. <laughs> but the deeper question... Mr. Super Detailed there. Um, yes, Maven. Yes, that is the big part of it, right? Our parents tell us to follow them and the instructions they give us because they want us to be safe. This is good for you. Your safety and you being well matters to them. So when God calls us to do certain things, he's not giving us rules just so that he can make our life difficult or see how much we can do. But he's doing it because he loves us. Can you say that? God loves me. So what, what is God calling me to do? To love him back. What am I doing? Loving him. When you love your parents back, guess what? When it's your turn to, to, to clean out the dishwasher or to take out the trash or pick up your shoes and put it in the closet or hang up your jacket, all of these things are not hard things because you're like, I love my dad and my mom. I love my grandma. I love my grandpa. I love them, so I want to do it. Right? Not because it's a rule, but because I... Love them. That is why this is the greatest commandment. Because this is what puzzled people. They wanted to know how to be the perfect Christian. And they asked Jesus this question. And then what did Jesus say? The important thing is that you love God with all your heart. In Proverbs chapter 8 and verse 17 it says, I love those who love me and those who seek, seek me diligently will Find me. This is God talking. Who does God love? Those who? Love him first. It's not looking for people who do all the things first. He's looking for those who love him first. And then diligently go after his heart. And they will always find God. So if you're an adult here. And if you're someone who's saying. I've been trying to figure out how to do this Christian life. Stop trying to figure it out. Instead, say, Lord, I bring you my heart. Whether you're young or old, it's, this is the simplicity of the gospel. And that's what I've been working through the past three weeks. If you've not gotten a hold of that yet, please get a hold of this. Don't get super complicated in your walk with God where it literally becomes something that's so cerebral or something so in the top of your head where you're trying to get all the steps. Stop worrying about the steps and say, Lord, do you have my heart? And Holy Spirit, can you teach me? And he will show you how to say no to certain things. As adults, it's more than picking up your jacket off the floor or brushing your teeth before school. For you guys, it's now how I handle relationships. How do I handle my money? How do I handle tough consequences that I had chosen previously in life? How do I walk through these things? There are no simple answers to any of the things we face in life. But when God has my heart... All of it becomes simpler. Because I'm, it's no longer something he's trying to extract out of me. It's never an extraction. It's simply him saying, come, walk with me. Come, follow me. 
as I walk, he will never tell you to go somewhere he wasn't willing to go with you. So this is the important thing. So when you hear Psalm 23 quoted, many of us are familiar with Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He leads me beside still waters. And all of that is nice. But even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you're with me. And that's God's promise. He will never tell you to go somewhere where his presence won't walk with you. So when he says, come follow me, he's not saying, I've got some nice little minions who I can send on task. I know you're not those little yellow dudes, but you're not somebody he's going to just get to do stuff. He's going to say, come do this with me. Okay? But to follow Jesus, it's going to cost you. And that's what I want to talk about today. Luke chapter 14 is a very... I'm not going to read this portion of scripture because it can be misunderstood, especially by little kids. So I'm not going to read this out, but I want you to understand the context. Go do this at home, okay, for you who are adults. Luke chapter 14. God wants us to set our family allegiances, our country allegiances, our job allegiances, and all of these things secondary to saying, what has Jesus called me to do? What is, he, what is he requiring of me? So when he says to cast aside these things to follow him, he's saying, do I have your heart completely? Or is it still all about family? You know how you can, if you go to Ollie's or you know, like Michael's or something, you can buy those picture frames that say, you know, family is everything. There are many of us in this room who believe that. Family is not everything. In this day, it is. But we are talking about an eternity where I cannot control what my kids do. I cannot control how many years I will live. If I make everything about my family and what I can contain in my hands, I will lose it. So whatever it is that you are holding on tightly to, it might not be in this passage here, but you know what it is. What is it that has you? Not you have it, but it has you. Bring that place of your heart to the Lord and say, Lord, I want to bring this to you. Help me take my grubby hands and my little tightly clenched fist off of it so that I can follow you. So that there is nothing in my life that holds me back from saying a wholehearted yes. When you say, follow me, I will follow you. Later in that passage, in verse 28, let's read verse 28. When you're building a tower, right, don't you just first sit down? So for those of you who've built houses, you understand this context. Don't you first build and you you cost it out. You see how much it's going to cost you. And then you make sure you are able to complete the task. You don't just start the project. For those of us who are homeowners and we've started DIY projects, we know what that's like, right? Three years later, we're like, that, that room still needs to be done. Or that bathroom has two walls that have one coat of paint. The, see, that's the problem when we sometimes we bully ourselves into making decisions that we aren't able to finish. And Jesus is saying, I don't want you to follow me like that. I want you to count the cost. Yes. 
you do have grubby hands sometimes. My kid. Anyway. So when, when, we, when we count the cost, you have to make sure, am I able to complete it? Verse 29 says, otherwise he has laid a foundation and is not able to f- finish it. And people will look and say, oh, this guy wasn't able to finish what he started. Verse 33, I want to jump down to verse 33. This is the point of counting the cost. If anyone who does not renounce all that he has, he cannot be my disciple. That is the clear cost factor he's putting there. If you're going to follow Jesus, it's going to cost you everything. Not something. Jesus is not looking for a little church Sunday part of my heart. Jesus is looking for everything. And it's not a hard thing. So when I love my children, children, when, you, you're, when, you, when your parents love you, they're not looking for just a part of your heart that you can say, oh, well, I love daddy a little bit, or I love mom a little bit. They're looking for you to love them the same way they love you, with everything. Guess how Jesus showed us that he loved us with his everything? Anybody? How did Jesus show us that he loved us with his everything? Huh? I heard it somewhere here. He died for us. He saved us by giving his life for us. He did not hold anything back. He gave everything. Can you go sit down, please? Thank you. In James chapter 1, it says this. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you face trials of various kinds. Why? Why can I count it all joy when I face trials of various kinds? For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And this is God showing us what everything means. When we say, oh yeah, Jesus, take it all, take it all, my life in your hands. Like everyone loves to sing the worship song, right? But then what happens? And he'll say, all right, I'm going to live with you. I'm going to walk alongside you. It's this come follow me kind of life. And then you start to walk into a day and you're like, I did not want this. I don't want this in my family. I don't want this family trouble. I don't want this finance trouble. And he says, the testing of your faith will produce a steadfastness in you. A a stick to witness that you will not give up. I will help you with that. But what I want is your total yes. Where you put your hand in my hand and let's take a walk. And let steadfastness, this is verse 4, let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect, complete, lacking in nothing. For those of you who are parents in this room, this is why you cannot helicopter parent your way into adulthood. This is why your child needs to struggle. It's not because I want my child to suffer. When your parents tell you, get on the bike, it's okay, you'll be fine, I'll be there behind you. Do you remember that time when you first learned to ride your bike? Who wants to, can we talk about Asher? Remember when we were teaching you to ride the bike? Did you just get up and start riding the bike? How many times did you fall over? More than you can remember. But there was a time 
where you started to get to a place where you were not sure if I should let go of the seat. Because that's what created the places where you'd fall down, right? As long as I was holding the seat, you would never fall. But I was training you to do something that you had to pedal. You had to keep your eyes on the road. You had to keep going, not look backwards, right? And guess what happened one day? You started to pedal and kept going, right? So for those of you who have learned how to ride a bike, it's like that. And for those of you who are adults, the things that you face in life are merely an opportunity to practice steadfastness. God is saying, keep going, keep going, keep going. Okay, okay, you fell down. Let's get back up. Let's get on the seat again. Keep going. And then slowly God takes his hands off and watches you get into the skill that he has shaped in you. So as you grow in life, there are things that he doesn't mind your boo-boos. He doesn't mind picking you up off the dirt. Your, the dirt on your trousers never bothered him. What he was more concerned about is, did you get back up, sit on that seat again, because you said yes to him? Do you trust me? And those of us who are parents in that same situation about training kids on bikes, you know how angry your kids got with you when you would do that? And that feeling of, and you'd eventually come to this point, do you trust me that I won't let you go? I will not let you struggle in a way that will hurt you. The problem is, you are trying to control your world and saying, no, you will hurt me. And you've heard your kids say those very words to you. You're, gonna, you're making me fall. I am not making you fall. But when you trust me with your whole heart, then walking with me starts to become a journey that you enjoy. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 6 through 7 says, In this you rejoice, though for a little while... If necessary, you were grieved by various trials. So that the tested genuineness of your faith, this is 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 6 and 7. The tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold, that perishes when it's tested through fire, may be found in result and praise in glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. That is God's goal. God's goal in taking you on a journey of, of growing you up as a Christian is not just, just so that he can tell you what to do. He wants you to mature in the things that carry his heart. When he trains someone who carries his heart, then it's not about doing stuff anymore. There comes a day... I just had the opportunity to go spend some time with my dad. Now, I'm nearly 40 years old. My dad's much, like there's nothing more for me to get in that sense as far as, you know, how do I ride my bike or how do I ride? But there are so many things about the man I am without going through a rule book that is clearly inherited from my parents. Do you understand? And God wants to raise us up into adulthood that carries his heart, not the, well, what do I do first thing when I wake up? What do, I, do I need to brush my teeth? Do I need to put pants on? Do I need? That is not the thing that God is trying to get you to tick boxes. He's saying, do you carry my heart? So your general hygiene is different. Your general way of operating, how you do breakfast time is different. How you talk to people is different. So much so there are people who look at me sometimes and say, 
you're your dad. I am definitely not my dad. I might do all the whole shoulder thing that he does, but apart from that, <laughs> apart from that, I am not him. I'm very uniquely me. And this is something each of you needs to hear. When God calls you to be a Christian, he's not asking for another robot in his army. He's asking for someone who's so uniquely designed with such grace that God has fashioned you so clearly to be you. Not just part of some giant, big, um, like amoeba kind of thing that doesn't have any shape, but very uniquely to be you, but with his character, with his heart. So what you end up doing becomes something that God matters. It matters to God, so that's why it matters to me. So if you're, if you're artistic, if you're someone who loves to work with your mind and you love details and you like to do things carefully, God uses all these things because he's fashioned you that way. But now, now everybody doesn't have to look like you. And you don't have to look like everybody else. But what matters? Do I love God with my whole heart? When I love God with my whole heart, everything becomes simple. This is where I want to close. Galatians. Actually, before that, let me just read this. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 12 through 14. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you. Do you see that, that word there after the word fiery trial? What is that word there? When. Not if. When. Do not be surprised when. A fiery trial comes. Because life is going to be fiery. There's going to be things that you and I are going to have to walk through. And guess what? All of our kids in this room, you're going to have some difficult days too. But when that day comes, what's, what, what are we going to do? It's coming to test you. Is it testing you to fail? That's, that's sometimes the way we have been trained to think. When God tests something, he's not testing to see what will fail. He's testing to show you what he has developed in you. And the next time around, he will show you this is what you've been developed to. So that you don't get ahead of yourself. Some of us want to get ahead of ourselves. We want to be like, yeah, I can do that. And I can run the circular saw all by myself. Let's first work out hammering a nail. Then we'll worry about a circular saw. Then we'll worry about framing. But first things first, I want you to learn the discipline of going through this process. It might seem silly to you. It might seem basic to you. But this fiery trial was intended to show you that you can do this. Not to show you, oh, look at you. You couldn't even do that. I could do it faster. Now, do you see my problem when we as siblings, when we talk to each other, Sometimes you want to be like, yeah, but I can do that faster. You couldn't even do that. See, I can hold my breath for like 55 seconds. You could only do like 48. You don't have to do that to each other, right? It's not, God has not designed each of us to be the same. So when you see somebody who has a slightly different skill or doesn't do something as well as you, you don't have to show off. 
You don't have to even feel bad if you cannot do everything that your siblings can do. Just learn to be who God has made you to be and do one step at a time. And if you need help with getting better at something, say, show me how to do this better. Help me. That's a good question to ask, okay? If you're ever struggling with something, just go to someone who knows and say, help me. And get better at it, okay? Promise we're not going to start doing this, I'm better than you, you're, you're worse than me kind of thing. Because we grow into adults who do that. There are adults sitting in this room who are living under the weight of someone saying to them, you're worse than me, or I'm better than you. So be careful. These are things that we teach our children as well. So don't be worried that it is something strange happening to you, but rejoice insofar as Christ's sufferings, Christ went through this, that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. There is something that we're aiming for. We're aiming to be with Jesus where there is such a revelation of his glory. Nothing in this life and its trials have anything on the glory to be revealed. We are not going to have to struggle through things, but God wants to develop us into maturity. Kids, for where you're at today, God wants you to be excellent at following his voice. Where you're at, in the simple things that you do. Adults, this is where God wants to train you into maturity. So at every stage of life, right until we go home, our goal is not to be surprised when stuff comes our way. You don't ask, seriously, why me? That's not your response when something happens. But rather, Lord, what are you showing me that you are building into me that you're putting to test right now? Because I want to follow you. I want to grow in these things. And if I'm struggling with it, I'm going to go grab a few brothers or sisters or people I know in the church family who can help me grow in that area. Because I'm struggling. I don't know how to navigate this. Guess what? When you are mature, James chapter 1 tells us, you will lack nothing. Because Jesus is at the center of it all. And you never have to be that perfect person. All right. Can we all pray together? Wherever God leads us, he wants us to follow him. Not because it's a blind step, but because it's a step which we take with Jesus, knowing that he will pull us through. Amen? So, Father, we thank you for every single one here, for every child, every adult. Lord, we thank you that you're the God who pulls us through. You're the God who takes us on a journey but you're with us in every step. Help us, Lord, to love you with our whole heart. Just let's just quieten down for a second as much as you can. Don't worry about your children who are little. Lord, we thank you that in this moment, you're able to help us in our heart. You're able to help us to give you everything that we have, including these children that we love including our parents that we love, including all the things that are dear to us, we want to be able to say to you, Lord, we love you with all of these people and all of these things that we have, that you might have first place in our life. Help us to love you like that. Help us, Lord. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for your help this day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, I want some kiddos to help me up here. We're going to sing another song.